Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 25. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If God hasn't called you and God hasn't anointed you and God hasn't qualified you, then, then it's all to no avail. Who, who, what school did Peter go to and what school did Matthew and John and the disciples, what school did they go to? You know what they did? They spent time with Jesus and that's how they were called because they spent time with Jesus. So it doesn't really matter. And what I've learned over the years is my greatest ability is dependability. My greatest ability is availability. That's what I've learned. And Lord, if you can depend on me, if I'm going to be where you call me to be, whether I'm cleaning the toilets or preaching from the pulpits, if I'm going to be where I'm going to be and God, you can depend on me, then God's going to anoint me to do what he called me to do because God qualifies the called. God does that work. And I think people tell me, oh, I'm going to go to seminary so I can get prepared for ministry. Listen, go to seminary, but don't be expected to be prepared for ministry. Because seminary does not prepare you for ministry. Spending time at the feet of Jesus prepares you for ministry. Like John, who put his head on Jesus' breast and just loved him. And Jesus loved him back. And John even told us in the Gospel of John... He told the disciples that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, John, something else. How are you going to say something like that? He loves me, fellas, more than you. That's what he's saying. I'm the disciple that Jesus really loved. That's how you get called. And now I just walk in that truth that God can depend on me. I'm going to be here. And that God, that Lord, I'm available for whatever you want. So I guess the world is right. I know that I don't have the ability to do what God has called me to do. But I now know that it's by his grace that he has given me the ability to do what he's called me to do. And because he's given me that ability, he expects me to be faithful in the opportunities and the talents that he's given me. First Corinthians chapter four, verse two, it says, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't say it's required in stewards that one be found smart. Because none of us would qualify. It's found to be, you know, it's required in the steward that man be found intellectual. No, it says that a man be found faithful. And if I'm faithful with the talent that he has given me, whether it's five, two, or one, then I'm never to be covetous. Of someone else's talent. Amen, saints? You know, oftentimes we look at somebody else and we say, how come I don't have five talents? God, I think I'm a five talent person, but you only gave me one talent. 
don't be covetous of someone else's talent. You know, I deserve more. Get out, let me help you. Don't ever, ever, ever start talking about what you deserve. Listen, I'm just trying to help y'all. Don't ever start talking about what you deserve. Because if God gave you what you deserve, you'd be in hell right now, which wouldn't be a good thing. We don't deserve anything. We deserve to simply put ourselves before God and say, Lord, thank you even if I have one talent. God, thank you if I have one talent. I believe you have one at least because when you become a Christian, the Bible says that he fills you with his Holy Spirit. And it's at that time that he gives you gifts. He gives you talents. Now, some folks are one talent. Some people are two. Some are five. But notice he gives those talents according to their ability. In other words, God knows that, 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 that you can handle five talents. Some people can't handle five talents. Some people can't handle the one they got. And so I want, I want to be a five talent person. I deserve more. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And by golly, people like me. <laughs> I deserve more. People have that mentality. You know, take whatever talent God has given you and use it for his glory. Because we don't deserve anything. It's a privilege for us to be used by God. God isn't even concerned with how many talents you have. God is concerned that you are faithful with the talent that you have. Hey, what about this? Why not just be thankf thankful? Boy, that's a missing attribute in the church today. Thankfulness. Why not just be thankful and say, God, I thank you that I get to love you with the talent that I have. You know, I was talking to Rodney Jr. just uh, last week, and we were talking about, you know, ministry and things of that nature. And I was explaining to him that it is our privilege. I was explaining to him that it's our privilege to serve God. It is our privilege to, to serve God. It's not God's privilege to have you. I'm just trying to build up your self-esteem this morning. It's not God's privilege. You, you, look, you're not a blessing. You're like, Pastor, this is going downhill, man. No, you're not. I'm sorry. Look, you're no trophy in God's curios. You know, we think, oh, well, you know, I'm a trophy in God's dining room table. He can display me. You know, look at me. I am, you know, look at, you know, look, look at me. You know, we think that about ourselves. Listen, we, we, it's not God's privilege to use us. It's our privilege to serve God. Amen, saints? It, it's our privilege. It's our privilege to serve God. We get to serve God. We get to love God. We get to worship God because of who he is, not because of who we are or what we've done. It's your privilege to, to raise your hands and say, Lord, thank you. It's your privilege to serve God any place. It's your privilege. Hey, if you're cleaning the toilets or preaching from the pulpit, it is your privilege to clean the toilets. In the kingdom, for the glory of God. Don't ever, ever forget that. 
That's what the Bible means, to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you in due time. God, is my privilege. Lord, if I only get to clean the bathrooms for the rest of my ministry career, I will feel like I have done what you have faithful, what you have called me to do, and that is to be faithful, period. We should never approach the ministry, well, I'll clean the toilets for a time, but I'm expecting for a promotion, some folks are, I'll clean for a while, but you know, I'm hoping that someday, you know, I can move up to the car, to the cafe. You know, maybe after the cafe, I might wind up the senior pastor. Not. And, you know, <laughs> you know, it's our privilege to serve God. You get to. It's an honor for you to serve God. Well, notice point number two. Got to move on. The reaction of the servants. Did you notice it in verses 16 through 18? The reaction. Notice the first servant. I want you to see this. Look at it. The first servant had five talents and he went out and he invested it. Notice he made 100% on his return. This is the guy you want investing your money. Amen. He made 100% on his return. Hey, here's a question and answer. Do you know who was the greatest financier in the Bible? Noah. He was floating his stock while everyone else was in liquidation. <laughs> it gets worse. It's bad today, y'all. It's bad. It's bad. Or I'm just telling you, what, what do they call pastors in Germany? German shepherds. <laughs> who was the greatest female financier in the Bible? Pharaoh's daughter. She went down to the bank of the Nile and she drew out a little profit. <laughs> and then notice, moving right along, the second servant, notice he had two talents, less than half the first guys. And did you notice? Yet he was just as faithful and he made 100% return on his money. You see, it's not how much you have, but it's how you use it. And then the third servant had one talent, and he made no attempt to invest it. Instead, he went and he dug it in the ground, and he hid it. Now, cultural background. In those days, they didn't have BB&T Bank. They didn't have safety deposit boxes. They didn't have any place to secure their money. So in those days, valuable things were dug in the ground and kept safe. They would keep things safe in the ground, almost like we keep things today in mattresses. Folks still put money in the freezer. Did you know? Don't you know when the crooks come, the first place they're going to go is to the freezer? Don't put the money in the freezer. Don't put it in the mattress. But people do that today. Or you put it in a coat pocket. People do that. Well, the same thing in those days. So what Jesus is talking about is something that's very practical, very common, and very relevant. Keep in mind, the master didn't give him the talent to keep in the ground. He gave it to him to invest. And so this third servant is hiding a very valuable resource. Point number three, the reckoning of the servant. Notice in verses 19 through 27, we just read it. After a long time had passed, the Lord of the servant returned home, and they didn't know the day or the hour. You see, that's Jesus. You know why? Because when he comes back, we don't know the day or the hour either. You see? And when he gets back, when the master gets back, his first order of business was to settle accounts. Now, here's the scene. The master gets back in town. He goes to his office. He sits behind his desk. He calls in the first servant. First servant comes in and says, hey, master, you left me with five. Here's ten. The second servant comes in. He says, hey, master, you left me with two. And here's four. 
you want to notice that the reward for their faithful service was the same. Number one, they're going to be ruler over many things. Number two, they are going to enter into the joy of the Lord. They had different talents, but the same faithfulness. That's why I tell you that rewards are not based on accomplishments. It's based on faithfulness. And then finally, the third service, servant enters the office. He seems a little caught off guard, probably frantically digging because he didn't know when he was coming, trying to find that talent. Finally, he finds it. He goes, oh, here it is, master, here it is. And he walks in and he hands him a coin, probably dirt still between his fingernails. Realizing he's busted, he quickly comes up with a good story. He says, well, the reason I didn't do anything, the master says, why didn't you invest it? Why didn't you do anything? He says, well, the reason why I didn't do anything with the talent was because I knew you were mean. I knew you were tough. Harvesting crops where you didn't plant and gathering crops where you didn't cultivate. I was afraid, he said, that I would lose your money. And so I hid it in the ground. And then he says, look, there you have what's yours. He says, I knew you were harsh. Now, you want to keep in mind here that tells us something about this servant, this third servant. He doesn't know our Lord. He doesn't know Jesus because we all know that our Lord is not harsh. Amen, saints? We know that. So he doesn't know Jesus. He's simply a confessor of faith, but he is not a possessor. He accuses Jesus of being harsh and mean because he doesn't know him. He doesn't know our Lord. And notice, did you pick this up? Jesus' response does seem to agree with the man. Did you see that? Jesus, who says, he says, you know, that's right. He says, I have crops that I didn't plant. And, and, and I do gather crops that I didn't cultivate. It seems that the master is saying, you're right, I'm unfair. Seems that way, doesn't it? But it's not. Listen, Jesus isn't agreeing with this man. He's simply saying that if that's the way you truly believe, that I was rough, that I was tough, that I was hardcore, then why didn't you do something with my money? Why didn't you gain my money some interest? If you really believe, this is very logical, listen. Jesus says, listen, if you really believe what you're saying about me, or the master of you saying to the servant, if you really believe what you're saying about me, that I'm hardcore, that I'm rough, that I'm not fair, then logically, why didn't you do something? If you truly believe that. In other words, Jesus is saying, or the master is saying, if what you're saying about me is true, if you believe that about me, then you're not even being consistent with what you believe about me. Simple as that. You're not being consistent. It's almost like when you say to your kids, clean your room. And they say, okay, I'll do it. You go away on a long journey to the mall. And you come home and the room's not clean. Why didn't you clean your room? Well, because you're harsh. You're unfair. You're going to punish me. So you didn't clean your room. And you say, well, wait a minute now. If you knew that I was harsh and you thought I was rough and tough and hardcore and unfair and going to punish you, then why didn't you clean your room? If you knew that about me, then why didn't you do what you know you needed to do? If you understand that, say amen. Very, very simple. He's not agreeing with this man 
at all. And then Jesus says to him, notice, you wicked, look in your Bibles in verse 26, you wicked and lazy bum. Oh, I'm sorry, I added that. I'm sorry, that's not there. (laughs) He says, look at it. He says, you knew. Look at verse 26, you got to underline that. You knew. Well, that tells us that God is going to hold us accountable for what we know. You see, we all know different stuff. And we're all at different levels. Some of us have been Christians for three weeks and three months and three years and 30 years. But God is going to hold us accountable for what we are doing with what we know. You see, that's why I tell people all the time, it's dangerous to come to church. What, Rodney? Yeah, it's dangerous to come to church. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, that's dangerous. Why? Because all that you know and all that you learn and all that you understand, God expects you now to go out those doors and begin to apply the things that you know. Therefore, it is dangerous to know a lot. Because if you know a lot, God's going to hold you accountable for a lot. Because to whom much is given, much is required. God's going to hold us accountable for what we know. Absolutely. He expects you to apply what you hear. And what you hear is for you, not for someone else. How often have you heard a sermon and you say, Man, that sermon sure was good for my husband. (laughs) Boy, that man should have been in there today. He done missed what God wanted to say to him. (laughs) Folks, we doing that? They'll come up and they'll say to me, Pastor Rodney, Pastor, that sermon was awesome. Just awesome. Oh, it's just awesome. Really? Yeah. Oh, my husband, he's going to have to hear that. He, oh, he's going to have to hear that. I'm getting 10 CDs. He's going to have to hear it 10 times. I really passed her. It was awesome. I said, really? What God say to you? Nothing. That was for him. <laughs> oh, oh, hallelujah. That was for him. <laughs> you know, you got to get that thing going. It's like, you know, wait a minute. Hold it. Hold it. Well, wait a minute, you heard the sermon. He wasn't here. That means you were supposed to hear the sermon. Yeah, you heard me. Supposed to hear the sermon. (laughs) You were supposed to hear it, and what you hear, you're supposed to go and apply. It wasn't for him. If it was for him, he would have been here. The Holy Spirit would have had him here. Okay. So you want to notice this third servant, he had the talent, he had the blessing of the master, he had the opportunity, he had the potential, but he never moved over to productivity. Finally, the reward of the servant in verses 28 through 30. Look at verse 28 again in your Bibles. The owner says, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10. Why? Because this is a spiritual principle taught in the Bible. If you use what God has given to you, God will bless you and add to you more. And if you don't use what God has given to you, the opportunities and the abilities, God will take away and give it to someone else. That's the old philosophy, use it or lose it. That's what the Bible teaches. Take what God has given to you and use it for his glory. No, maybe people won't ever thank you. Maybe you got just one talent. Oh, you can, man, you got one talent, you got one gift, and man, you can use that one gift. People won't thank you. Maybe you've got a gift and an eye for detail and you just pay attention to things and you need to use that. Maybe you have a gift for children. You're, somebody here this morning has a gift that you're not using. 
And God's been telling you, hey, hey, would you open the door and use that gift? You're like, nah, shut the door. God's like, no, that's not what you need to be doing. You need to use your gifts for his glory and for our good. Use what you got. And people are not going to thank you for it. Don't expect people to pat you on the back and tell you how lovely you are. Because they won't. And they really shouldn't. And they might not. But God does. He'll thank you. Someone once wrote this. On, I saw it on a bumper sticker. As a matter of fact. It said, work for the Lord. It might not pay much. But the retirement benefits are out of this world. <laughs> Amen, saints. (laughs) That's so true. So this third servant, man, he wasn't using what God had given him. Jesus says, listen, if you got one talent, two talents, five talents, whatever you have, you need to use it for God's glory and for our good. You see, listen to me, and I'm coming in for a landing. Listen, this is how the body of Christ works. You're supposed to have your gifts because no one person has all the gifts. Because if one person had all the gifts, they'd be so prideful. They, they, that big head couldn't get through that door over there. They, had be like, they couldn't get through that door over there. They couldn't do it. That's why God didn't give one person that all, one, all the gifts. I'm all gifted. Omni-gifted. <laughs> what is that? So God gives all of us gifts when you become a Christian. And you should use your gift to serve the body of Christ. And the body of Christ should use their gift to serve you. And what happens is if you don't use your gift to serve me, and I don't use my gift to serve you, you know what happens? We all starve. And the body is weak and sickly and unhealthy. Listen to this story as I close to illustrate my point. I read a story of a man who spoke with the Lord about heaven and hell. And the Lord said to this man, Listen, he said, come, and I'll show you hell. Well, they entered a room where a group of people sat around a huge pot of stew. Everyone was famished, desperate, and starving. Each held a spoon that reached the pot, but each spoon had a handle so much longer than their own arm that it could not be used to get the stew into their own mouths. Well, the suffering was terrible. The Lord said, come now, and I'll show you what heaven is like. And so they entered another room, exactly identical, like to the first, the pot of stew, the group of people, the same long-handled spoon. But there everyone was happy and well-nourished. I don't understand, said the man. Why are they happy here and miserable in the other room? And everything's the same. And the Lord smiled and said, ah, he said, it's simple. Here they have learned to feed each other. You see, my spoon It's way too long for me to get it in my mouth. Not unless you have a super huge mouth. But usually, I can't take my long spoon and feed myself. It doesn't work. But if I take my spoon, my gift, my talent, and feed you, and then you take your spoon, your talent, and feed me, guess what happens? We're in heaven. We grow. We're healthy because we have learned a very basic principle of feeding each other and serving each other. Serve ye one another, Jesus said, as he took the towel in the basin of water and he washed the disciples' feet. He said, fellas, you see what I'm doing? They said, yes. He said, go do the same. 
he wasn't talking about washing feet. He was talking about serve ye one another because we are the body of Christ and we're fit together and we're supposed to love and serve and bless each other. How do you do that, Rodney? Okay, I got it. How do you do it? How do you get involved here? Let me tell you practically, how do you get involved here? Let me tell you what you should do. First of all, pray and seek the Lord, number one, because God wants you to pray and seek that place of involvement. Find out what the needs are here at Calvary Chapel. And then simply fill out a ministry application. That's how you do it. We have a ministry application. Fill out that ministry application and a ministry leader will get back to you. Talk to that person in charge of that ministry and then ask them questions. And then finally, when you find yourself in ministry, this is probably the biggest one. Have a heart to serve. Serve. Serve the Lord. Just serve whatever is needed. God I take this one talent, two or five, and use it for your glory. And Lord, if people never thank us, we want to be thankful that you have given us the talent. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.